You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Church, I hope you see that we we sing these We've sung these two songs quite a bit in the last few weeks. Um, New wine and the blessing. But have we ever sung them on a morning where the Lord didn't want us to focus on what those words were saying? We hadn't once. Not one time the Lord has brought our attention to the words that we were singing. And the last time we sang new wine, the Lord was establishing something in us. There was an establishment of those words on that page. He was getting us equipped. He was getting us in the mindset that we needed to be in for what was next. And this morning is no different. So I'm asking that you be ready. That your heart still be in this place of make me a vessel. Make me whatever you want me to be. I just, as, as we were singing that song, I was just imagining the, what, it would be, what it's like for the Father to see his children coming with that being the cry of their hearts. How that blesses him. And so I pray that we would just be ready for what he has for us this morning. What he has for us this morning may be a little difficult. Um, I know personally for me, there were some things that the Lord had to highlight in my own story, and it was not easy to deal with. There were some things that I had to deal with, and not easy in the sense that it was emotional or anything like that. It was just, I had, a, I had allowed a habit to exist, and it had to be broken. So what we're talking about, what, what is next? How do we show kindness? How do we establish the kingdom of God through kindness? How do we be these perfect vessels for the kindness of God and the truth of God to flow through us in every part of our life? How He wants us to specifically walk in that this morning is one word. It's forgiveness. If you look at the world today, you look at the media, look at the news, look at anything for any period of time on social media, whatever, you can see that we as a society have gotten really good at not forgiving. Really good at it. I mean, we're pros. But what the Lord taught me, and this is the hard part, is that unforgiveness has been taught. We're not born with unforgiveness. We've been shown how to hold bitterness. If you've held bitterness in here, I have. I'm I'm telling you this morning, this is a word for me as well. This is a word the Lord has been hammering me with all week. But you know how exhausting it is to hold on to bitterness, right? It's a lot of work. you got to wake up in the right mindset if you're going to hold on to bitterness. If you're going to hold on to anger, and not just anger for a little while, but anger for generations. Anger for generations. There are so many stories about families that have hated each other for hundreds of years because of something that no one really recalls. They just know we hate those people. We're angry at them. And so we've had generations, literally generations, hundreds and hundreds of years worth of people that have held on to something that they don't know why they're holding on to it. They just know that's what you're supposed to do, dadgummit. You're supposed to be angry. You're supposed to not like these people. But I'm telling you, this has been learned. And so before we go on, 
We've talked about this. But do you believe, and this may seem silly me asking you this, but do you believe that your life is not your own? If you are in Christ Jesus, do you believe that? You got to for where we're going next. Because the Lord hit me in the face, so now I'm going to hit you in the face. Okay, that's how that works. It's a chain of events. He slaps me, I slap you. Okay? But that's, he, he asked me that. He asked me, do you actually believe that or do you just say it? Like, oh, okay, I believe that. And he's like, then you have absolutely no right to have unforgiveness in your heart. Because forgiveness is mine and that's my life and I forgave you. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, it'll be on the screen. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. I came here with nothing but all that you have given me. That's that verse right there. We are His. Everything we have is His. It's been given to us by Him. And Luke 24, verse 46 through 47. Thus it is written, this is Jesus talking, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness for the sin should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. But we, and this is, I, I can't remember where I heard this, but this is important. When we pray, make sure you include yourself in these prayers. When we, when we talk about the wrongs that the children of God have committed or what we want to see the Lord do, it would be wrong for me to say, Lord, teach, teach these people forgiveness. That wouldn't work. I probably wouldn't stay up on this stage very long. I have to include myself in that because we're a body. We're not separate. But we, we have to recognize this, we the church have taught the world unforgiveness. We, the church, have taught the world how to hold on to bitterness. We, the church, have taught the world how to divide, how to draw lines. They didn't know how to do it very well, but we were like, we can show you. We're real good at it. If you don't believe me, ask yourself, how many churches are in this town of 1,200 people? How many churches have been in this town of 1,200 people? We're real good at drawing lines. Real good at it. We have taught the church, the children of God. I use that with quotations because not all are actually children of God, but those that would proclaim themselves as children of God for thousands of years have taught the world the things that are absolutely not of God. We've got to recognize that. We've also got to recognize that God did not make us this way. He did not make us for this. That's why it's so unnatural. That's why it's so much work to hold on to unforgiveness. But we, we've seen that it has saturated our society. And so real quick, I just want us to read a little bit of Jesus. Because Jesus is perfect theology. So in John 15, 12 through 15, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants, 
For the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. So Jesus is perfect theology. Do you agree? You think there's anything wrong with Jesus? Okay, good. We can move on. And he laid his life down for us, knowing our sins and knowing the sins that we would continue to commit. And he still laid his life down. But then he takes it a step farther. He still calls us friends, knowing how we will continue to go against that sacrifice in our life. He still did that. He still called us friends. And if he is perfect theology, that means that he is our example. He is our focus. He is what we are living our life based on. And if he was willing to do that, just ask yourself, what have I done wrong in my days? Think about that. And he still called you a friend. And he held nothing against you. He laid down his life for you. So who are we then to hold anything against anyone else? To hold on to any wrong that anyone would do to us. Because think of all the wrongs that we have done, not only to each other, but to Jesus. This guy that we came here this morning to worship. Just think about in the last week. The thoughts that you've thought about somebody else. Sir. And now listen, again, I'm saying this about myself as well. The Lord was correcting a pattern of thinking in me that was so easy for me, and it was a routine for me to hold on to unforgiveness. Randy has said this several times. We should be the best problem solvers, Christians. We should be able to see a problem. We should have it solved within seconds, dealt with immediately. But we can't, and they go on for a long time because we hold on to things. We don't talk about things. We just hold on to it. We get bitter. We allow it to fester and grow into this thing that produces awful, awful fruit. And I was recognizing that pattern of behavior in myself. But I want us to see something. And now, I'm going to use the word government. This is not a political message. Okay? So just hear that right now. But I need us to see something Really, really see something in the way the Lord has established us in the world that we're in today. I've told you this several times. Randy has taught us this. We are the authority here on this earth. The Lord has anointed us to carry His presence into all the earth. And there is only darkness where there is an absence of light. And we are light, are we not? Are we light? Then is there any darkness here? No. Did we have to do anything special before coming in the door? To get rid of the darkness? Or do we just exist? We just exist. And darkness cannot be there. It's that simple. Go ahead and flip with me to Genesis 1. Be in Genesis 1.27. We're just going to go through real quick. The Lord showed me something yesterday. I was, I was, I was talking to Randy. And I just, I want to highlight real quick how cool it is that your current head pastor can call the previous head pastor for guidance, still receive teaching, counsel, and wisdom. Where does that exist anywhere else? If we let the Lord build it, He is building something so unique and so beautiful, and it is so much fun to be a part of. Let's just let Him continue to build it. This is another stepping stone that He would have us, He would have us stand on this morning. But Genesis 1, 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. What I need us to see first. Now, 
We've talked about this. Randy's taught us extensively about this, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. Male and female existed together in one another. They're not separate bodies at this point. Found within each other. What we're seeing right there is that God created man's relationship with Him first. Just look at what happens the rest of chapter 1 and into chapter 2. Up until, really up until He creates woman in verse 15. Or near verse 15. It is focused on man's relationship with God. God's instruction, man's walking it out. The Lord showed me this a long time ago, but when He breathed that life into Adam, when He created Adam, what He showed me was that Adam had like this extension cord that was just plugged into the Father. He found His power. He found His source of being. He was able to be Himself fully in the way God had created Him to be because He was plugged into the power source. Right? A toaster cannot be a toaster unless you plug it into the wall. It has to be plugged into the power. That's what happened in the fall of man. It, we got unplugged. Okay? But so we see this. We see this relationship with God first. That is the first thing that exists in this. And we've also seen the Lord has taught extensively on this that anything we desire to see corporately must first happen where? Individually. If we want it to exist in here, it's got to exist in here first. My relationship with God has to reflect the desires that I, I want to see in here. If we want to see breakthrough, if we want to see people come to know Jesus, my heart's got to be found in the right place with the Lord and my own relationship with Him first. Right? It has to be rooted there. It has to be found there. God established relationship with man first. Okay? Now look at Genesis 2, verse 7. And then we'll jump over to 15. Then God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils and the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Now over to verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You, are surely, uh, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for, the, for in the day that you eat, of it you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord for God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock, to the birds of the heavens, and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he was asleep, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib of the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So what we see next, all that to see, what we see next is that God established man's relationship with each other. We see that. And we see in one of the last commandments, the last commandment that Jesus gave before he left this earth, was found in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. 
you are also to love one another. By this, all the people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So God created man's relationship with each other. This community, fellowship. But that was second. We've, we've lived in a society where that's first. And it's also, it's shifting a little bit to where it used to be first. It's not first anymore. We'll get to what's first now. But it was first. And it began to reflect the fact that what was actually created first, God's individual relationship with that one person, with us individually, was not looked at. So people began to worship this, this construct of church. I've got to go to this building. I've got to be there five times a week. I've got to pray for 30 minutes. I've got to read my Bible in the morning so that when they ask me what scripture I know this week, I can quote it out, and I know it. And everybody thinks I'm a really good Christian. And that, that became our worship. That's, that's why they call it the Bible Belt. You believed in Jesus because you were culturally born into it. You didn't believe in Jesus because you had any encounter for your own. You couldn't recall a moment where the Lord God met you in a place. As it says, salvation will come. So we began to, we began to allow that to be what we thought was most important. It wasn't created first, but we treated it as it was. Now look at 1 Samuel 8. 1 Samuel 8, verse 1. Hear this passage, man. This passage, it, it kind of breaks your heart. It does break your heart. It breaks my heart. Verse 1. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah, or something, and they were judges in that place. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain, and they took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations." But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people and all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. And according to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. Now then obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. That's heartbreaking. You can read that and you can hear the heartbreak in the father's heart that they have yet again rejected him. After everything that he's done for years and years and years and years and years and years, the promises, the faithfulness, they again rejected him. We want man. We don't want you. We want what we create. We don't want what you have for us. So now I want us to look at body, soul, and spirit. This was this, this profound revelation that uh, Randy spoke as we were, it was profound for me. It seemed like it was just daily thinking for him, which is no surprise, but um, if we look at body, soul, and spirit, and we can see, if you don't know what body, soul, and spirit is, we can talk about that, but just real quick, God made us in His image, 
three and one. We are three and one, and we see that in First Thessalonians five, verse twenty-three. Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we know that we are three in one. We know that the spirit, our spirit, is where this communication with the Lord exists, right? We have a spirit and the Holy Spirit dwells within us and we have this communication with heaven. That spirit is dead before salvation, after salvation, it comes alive. That was the connection to heaven that we just talked about, that we saw in Adam, that was severed at the fall. That connection is restored when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, right? You guys tracking? Soul, mind, will, and emotions. Every living being breathes air and can move around has a soul. Animals have a soul. They have a mind, will, and emotions. Okay, if you pet a dog, it's going to wag its tail. It likes that. If you pour food in a bowl, it's going to get real pumped up. Okay, it has a mind and a will. We understand that. And then we have the body. And this is the important part. This was, it was, I was laughing at how comical this was to me and just how ridiculous we've allowed our world this how ridiculous our world is right now and how ridiculous we've allowed it as the church to get the body what is this body without the soul and the spirit if i take away your mind will and emotions what is your body a vegetable it's nothing it's a suit it has no function without at least a soul without at least mind, will, and emotions. And then we have the Spirit, our connection, our ability to connect with heaven, connect with God, and then live that out on earth. But that doesn't happen without soul or without spirit, soul, and then body. The body is only a reflective of the two things above it that fill it. So if we have the Spirit, which is relationship with God, soul, which is relationship with man, what do you think the body is? Body's government. I said I was going to use that word. Don't get getting offended yet. We're just talking about it. What we're seeing in society today is that we are asking a vessel that is useless without the two above it and was established way later because the people rejected God. And so he's like, fine, just give it to them. I'm sick of it. Sick of wrestling with them. Just give them what they want. See what happens. Did it work out well? No, it did not. We know that. No, the Lord continued to use it for good because He loves us and He pursues us. And the only good that we see that came from the establishment of the King was because the Lord was working overtime to help. But we see this establishment of government for God's people way, way later. But what we're seeing now has become a trend, and it was very convicting for me because it has become a trend in the way I think. As I'm expecting this Government, the body, which is useless without a spirit and a soul. I'm expecting, expecting it to fix solutions that are rooted in the spirit. How is that possible? But we're looking at this government like, why are you guys the way you are? Why aren't you fixing all this stuff? Like, dude, they are a reflection of what fills them. You got a problem with a candidate? Check your heart. See where the Lord is, where your relationship with the Lord is. Because if you're the church and if you are light and if you are the authority here on earth, you have allowed, we have allowed these things to happen. We taught them division. 
we have a disagreement. I don't like you anymore. I'm going to start my own church. I'll call it something different, something better. I'm be second Baptist. What? There's a third Baptist. What? We have taught the world how to hold on to unforgiveness because it has been found in here. So if it's found in here, where has it first existed? In our relationship with the Lord. And the Lord was showing me something a lot of people have not, for, and we see it very common, it's a, it's a common trend to talk about this, but people not receiving the Lord's forgiveness for themselves. And I know that's true. That's true for myself. That's one of those things that you've got to continually check yourself on. If you are overly critical of yourself, you have to continually check yourself on that because you will, you will hold unforgiveness towards yourself that the Lord does not have for you. But the other thing that the Lord showed me that was odd, He said that there are people in here that have, and again, this is not a personal attack, but this is something that I've also found in myself to be true, and I had to correct it this week, but that we have seen God as being against us, and we have harbored unforgiveness towards Him. We have blamed him for horrible things that have happened that he has not controlled. He's been sitting there saying, if you would just have relationship with me, these things could be different. But you're looking at an empty vessel to fix the issue in the spirit, which it has no access to. It has no authority in. It has no ability to encounter the spirit of God. The body can only encounter the spirit of God when our spirit welcomes that encounter. When our, spirit encourage, when our spirit pursues and presses into God, do we then have physical encounters? We don't have physical manifestations of God. We don't see people get up out of wheelchairs. We don't see the promise of, of John getting out of that wheelchair just because we have bodies that want it. It's because there's a Spirit of God that is speaking to us, and we're walking in obedience. If we live by the Spirit, let us also live in step with the Spirit. Because of that, then we see the physical encounters. But that doesn't happen because we physically show up to a church. Because we physically show up where we should be because culture says so. And then we see spiritual things fixed. Absolutely not. It's because the spiritual things are in right order. And we are in right relationship with the Father. And now we see, we see the relationship with man restored. We see the relationship in what he's established last, government, restored. But it has to start here. Not here, here. It has to start with the children of God being in right relationship with the Lord. We have to find ourselves continually and always pressing in to the Lord. And I'm telling you, it is so easy. And we have been brought up in it to hold on to unforgiveness. I'm telling you, it was overwhelming. I, ha I had to get up and walk around my office because the Lord just kept bringing these people that I had not forgiven. Just over and over again. It was overwhelming. I felt like I was having a panic attack. Like I could feel it sitting on my chest. Like, man, that can't be found in us. If we want to see the miraculous nature of God, if we want to see this community be a reflection of heaven like the world has never seen before, that can't be found in any of us. That He has anointed to lead out that vision. And you've received that anointing. So you're in it now. It's too late. We've got to fix this now. 
Because you have said yes to what the Lord has for this community. And you have said yes to being those that would be chosen to carry it out. You have said yes to being a vessel for the kindness of God, that it would be established in every place that you go, that people would encounter God, they would encounter truth, that you would be the father running out to the prodigal son, cloaking him, covering him in the truth of who he is, and then bringing him back home. You've said yes to it. We have said yes to it. So it cannot be found in us. We get to be the ones, though. This is the exciting part. We get to be the ones that would teach the world how to forgive. We get to be that. I told you from the beginning, the Lord has said that you will not make any sense to the world around you. Oh, thank God for that. I love that. I'm finding these opportunities where the Lord's asking me to do something. It's like, it's going to be a mystery. And a lot of people are going to be like, what the heck is going on there? I love those moments. Because it looks like God, doesn't it? Powerful but mysterious. We get to be that when it comes to forgiveness now as well. The Lord's given us the next step as He said He would. If we live by the Spirit, we will also live in step with the Spirit. Here's the next step. It's us learning forgiveness for ourselves and in our own personal story. I don't know your story like you know your story. And you know where that has sunk in. You know where the roots have grown. I knew it. I knew where I had had entertained unforgiveness. And the Lord had to pull it out like a weed. It broke the ground. It disturbed things around it. It didn't feel great. But it had to be done. And now we get to be the people. I don't know if the Lord is teaching this to anybody else. If he's taught it to anybody else. If there's any other church that's recognizing this and walking in it with us. I don't know that. But if there isn't, you have been the ones that the Lord has anointed to go out and teach the world what it is to forgive and live in forgiveness and operate within it as our Savior did, knowing what we would do and still calling me a friend. How many of you would, could think about the people that have wronged you in your story and if you got to know before what they were going to do to you, would you still call them friend? I'd have a hard time. Be like, you know what? Actually, I don't, I don't need that relationship. I'm just going to ignore it, pass by, not encounter that person, not have that relationship because of how they're going to wrong me. That would be very easy for us to do. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus recognized knowing what we would do. Our sin held him there. And he still called us friends. That's powerful. He's perfect theology. That forgiveness, I'm telling you, has to be found in us. So what the Lord showed me this morning, for this morning, is we're going to, Mia's going to get up and play. I don't know what she's going to play. She's just going to go for it. She's going to lead us. But this is an altar here. Your chair is an altar. But I'm telling you, the Lord showed me us hitting our knees when we found these places of unforgiveness that were rooted in us, and we asked Him to take it. It's not ours to own. They belong to Him. Our life is His. And it's just these moments where we need to yield our life to Him again. And this is one of those moments. So I'm asking as the Lord leads you, find yourself before Him, before His throne, giving it back to Him. The things that you have taken wrongful ownership of. It is not your life. It is not my life. 
It is His life. He owns it. He died and He paid a price for it. So I cannot expect to live my days doing something that He Himself did not do. Because it's His life. So I know this is a, maybe it isn't, it is for me a little bit. That's a, it's a tough word. It was tough. It was hard for me. It was hard for me to think, oh man, I'm, I'm their pastor. And I'm really bad at forgiving. I'm really good at holding grudges. I've practiced it for a long time. And now I'm asking a people to not do what I am very, very guilty of doing. But I think that's what we're supposed to do. And the Lord has, he has brought it to my attention. He has held the standard of Jesus before me and he has shown me myself. I know what's missing and I'm going to seek him and press in that that would not be true about me anymore. But that I could die and people would say, man, he forgave. It didn't matter what you did to him. He loved you. It didn't matter what you did to him. The kindness of God flowed through him into those stories. Did not matter. That needs to be us because we're in a dangerous place. We're in a dangerous place. It seems like any little thing could set it all in flames. And then it's this time that the Lord has called us to operate in forgiveness, to look at ourselves, look at our own story, correct that within us, and then operate in that from here on out. That the world would know the forgiveness of God through His people, right? Creation waits with eager longing for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. Let's be people of forgiveness, people of kindness. Telling you the kindness of God is forgiveness. He did that. He came, He became a man, knowing His fate, to the point where He was crying tears of blood, asking the Lord for this cup to pass, but still saying, not my will, your will be done. And still saying, they will be called friends until my last breath. I will call them friends and I will die for them. Even though those nails will not hold me up there, it's what they will do against you and your will will hold me there. There's life or death. And we are all guilty of stoking the flame of death. We're all guilty of that. It's one or the other. We've all done wrong. We know that. The Lord still chose to give us life and lay His life completely down for us and call us friends. Display the kindness of God to us till His final breath. Church, can we be that? Can we? Can we be that? Can someone do every... Can someone wrong us each and every day for the rest of our life and they still only find in us love for them? Because if everything exists within that relationship of, with God first, we've got to know that it's not them. They're not doing it against us. They're doing it against Him. 1 Samuel 8, we see that. Samuel, they're not sinning against you. They're not coming against you. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. When someone wrongs you, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting what God has for them and the truth that He's proclaimed over them. So let's not stand for that. Let's say, I will not be a part of stoking that flame in them. I will only speak and I will only believe that which has been established in the heart of God for these people, no matter what they do.
Can that be us? I believe that that can be us. We will see the kingdom established like we've never seen. Because we're talking about thousands of years of unforgiveness has led us to this breaking point now. And so now he's called the children of God to operate in forgiveness. For the children of God to be fully revealed. And for the kindness of God to flow through them. For the forgiveness of God to flow through them. Are we good with that? Yeah. Lord, we are grateful. I, I pray that we are grateful from the tips of our toes to the tops of our head that you would choose to bring that word to us. You would pursue us to such a degree that you would not allow anything that is not of you to be found in us. That you care that much for us. Lord, that you love us so much that you desire for us to never live a day in bitterness. Never live a day in anger. Never live a day divided. Because that's not what we were made for. You desire that for us. You desire for wholeness. You desire for shalom. For full restoration and peace. You've given us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciling the world to yourself. Lord, and you forgave the world. Those that are in you and those that are not, you forgave them. And it is not our life. So this morning we say again, make us an offering. Make us into whatever you would have us be. That we would be vessels of kindness. And through that, the world would encounter forgiveness. Thank you for calling us to teach the world forgiveness. Your forgiveness. It is an honor that you have chosen us for this move. For this work. To establish your kingdom in this way. It is an honor, God, to be a chosen race in a royal priesthood. So, Father God, I pray that you would be glorified this morning as you find your children before you making sure that there is no unforgiveness found anywhere in our hearts this life is yours our time here on earth is yours every breath in our lung is yours and we will live as you lived with kindness and forgiveness in our hearts we love you Lord we praise you Lord you are so abundantly worthy be glorified this morning as we lay down what is not ours. We give it to you in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.